This is episode 420 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Do-It-Yourself Off-The-Grid Solar Power System. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information about the ebook or the audiobook, click the link in the show notes or come on over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from mdcreekmore.com. Again, the title is Do-It-Yourself Off-The-Grid Solar Power System. And this is one that probably a lot of people are interested in. Um, at some point, even if the you know, you're off-grid or if the grid goes down for whatever reason, you're going to want some power. And this is a way to do it. So um, this article breaks it down for you and gives you the components and gives you the understanding behind it. Of course, you'll probably want to do a little bit more research when you're investing a little bit of money into this and you want to make sure you get it all right. But this is a great starting uh, place when it comes to building a solar system off of a battery bank. So let's go ahead and get started. Building an off-grid power source for your home or bug out location is not as difficult as you may think. Having power can drastically improve the quality of life during a long or short-term power outage. After losing all of our food during a three-day power outage after a severe storm, we learned quickly that taking the power grid for granted was not a good time. Please keep in mind that we are not experts and there are always dangers when dealing with electricity. The solar generator constructed at our home is basically the same as the generator constructed at our bug out location. First, determine what it is you wish to power and determine how many watts you're going to need. As an example, I use eight 100 watt panels and five large RV batteries to run my full sized Maytag refrigerator. My setup allows me to run the refrigerator throughout the night if I turn the ice maker off and settings down on the fridge and freezer sides. I turn them to setting two. There are four major components to our 12-volt solar generator. Solar panels, a charge controller, battery bank, and power inverter. So let's look at the solar panels. Solar panels generate power during daylight hours to charge your battery bank. I use eight 100-watt panels to provide up to 800 watts of power to my battery bank. Generally speaking, the power generated by the panels is less than the advertised or rated watt output, meaning eight solar panels probably put out 10% less power than the full 800 watts as advertised. While the panels do in fact still provide power on a cloudy day, they will not be quite as efficient as, as full sunlight. The solar panels I used are found on Amazon for about $114 each, seen above. And there's some pictures here that uh, you can use. And definitely, if this is something that interests you, you'll want to come over to this article because, you know, there's some diagrams. And again, the pictures and everything are very helpful when you're looking at a solar system like this or a solar power system. 
I have been impressed with them, but keep in mind that the technology improves almost daily, so do your research and read reviews. These panels are very easy to connect. The male and female connections are clearly marked positive and negative for positive and negative respectively. And so there's plus and minuses there. You will also need Y branch connection cables to connect more than one panel for your system. You will need a long set of cables to run power to the controller. I used a 100 foot cable with a male connection at one end and a female at the other end. Cut the cable in half and expose the wires. This will give you 50 feet of wires. Of course, depending on your situation, you may need a longer cable or a shorter cable. The shorter the cable, the better. The longer the wire, the more electricity you will lose in the transmission of the power going inside to your charge controller. So let's talk about the battery bank and the power inverter. The battery bank is the most important component of your system. Once the sun goes down, the battery bank will provide electricity throughout the night if built correctly. The trick to the battery bank lasting throughout the night is to obtain the correct ratio of solar panels to the number of your batteries in your battery bank. It's equally crucial to have the correct number of batteries in your battery bank. Your battery bank should provide enough power storage to run your refrigerator overnight until the sun returns to fully charge your batteries during the day. Building the battery bank is the most intimidating part for most people, but it's really not that difficult. There is plenty of information on how to build a 12 volt, 24 volt, or a 48 volt system, but I will be illustrating how to build a simple 12 volt system. So the types of batteries. There are several different types of batteries on the market that will work with your system. These batteries range in price and efficiency, so it's best to find the right balance between your budget and your power needs. The batteries used in any solar or wind generator must be deep cell type batteries. Regular car batteries are not made to charge and discharge like a deep cell marine, RV, wheelchair, or golf cart batteries. Regular car batteries are not designed for this purpose. Lead acid batteries, which are pictured above, are probably the most inexpensive but are not the most efficient. I am using five lead acid batteries for the battery, battery bank at my home. While they do work just fine, when they start losing their efficiency, I will replace them with AGM batteries such as the batteries at my bug out location. The VMAX tanks or VM, VMAX SLR 125 AGM deep cycle 12 volt 125 amp SLA rechargeable batteries for use with PV solar panels. Absorbent glass mat or AGM batteries, which are pictured above again, in my experience so far has been the most efficient. However, they do cost significantly more. While the AGM is still considered a lead acid battery, the construction of the battery is superior to a regular lead acid battery and tends to be more efficient. The lead acid RV batteries cost approximately 100 each, while the AGM batteries cost approximately 250 per battery. You will have to do research and determine your budget for your batteries. So again, uh, there is a diagram here where uh, you know you have the solar panels and they're running into the charge controller, and so you have this diagram that is very helpful in understanding how to wire up a system. So first you will need battery cables that will run from your charge controller to your battery bank. 
I recommend using two gauge battery cables or lower for this purpose and zero gauge cables, the largest cables available, to run from your battery bank to your power inverter. I wired my battery bank in parallel, meaning that the positive cable from the charge controller goes to the closest positive terminal on the first battery in your bank. The next cable runs from that first positive terminal to the next positive terminal on the next battery and so on. The negative cable coming from the charge controller will run to the negative terminal on the last battery in your battery bank. The cables running from your battery bank to your power inverter will be connected just the opposite. The positive cable from your battery bank will be connected to the positive terminal on the last battery in your bank and the negative cable will be connected to the negative terminal on the first battery in your battery bank, closest to the charge controller. Again, guys, I think it's beneficial if you look at the diagram that they have, and then also there is a, uh, a real picture, not just a diagram, but a real picture of his uh, battery bank system or the wires set up that, that you can follow. The ground wiring will attach to the same negative battery terminal where the negative power inverter cable is attached. It's best to run that cable to a grounding rod, obviously outside your home. So again, I think this picture is really uh, is pretty powerful, being able to see it all kind of laid out. By wiring your battery bank together as described above, this will cause each battery in your bank to charge and discharge evenly and maximizing the efficiency and life of your battery bank. Pictured above is my battery bank prior to adding a fifth battery and purchasing a cabinet to put them in. If you place your battery bank inside an enclosed cabinet or container, make sure that the battery gets proper ventilation. Note, do not let your batteries fall below 11.9 volts as to keep them from discharging too much, which could possibly damage them. So let's talk about the power inverter. The power inverter that he has here that he's using is a 3000 watt pure sine wave power inverter 600, 600 oh, I'm sorry 6000 watt peak 12 volt DC to 110 uh, volt AC when choosing your power inverter I would recommend purchasing at least a 3000 watt or 6000 watt peak pure sine wave inverter the pure sine wave inverters along with the MPPT charge controller will provide a much more stable current for running sensitive electronics and appliances so I have heard uh, throughout the years, I've read articles that pure sign is not necessarily uh, necessary and then others that say it is necessary. So, you know, you've got to you've got to chalk that up for yourself. Um, the reason is, again, for the pure sign is because if you're, you're going to be connecting like tablets and cell phones and things like that, you want to make sure that um, the, the power that is coming into that phone that uh, is passing through that pure sign uh, wave inverter is, uh, I guess, more beneficial, you know, safer, I guess, uh, the way that the, the power is coming through. Unfortunately, like the MPPT charge controller, the pure sign wave power inverters are more expensive, but again, you'll thank yourself later. Do your research and read reviews on all of the components. I haven't had any trouble with the one I use at my home pictured above. Okay, so what about volts and amp meters and fuses? There are all kinds of other things you can attach to your system, such as meters and fuses. I have a simple volt meter attached to my battery bank to make it easier to read the voltage of the battery bank. 
I simply disconnect the cables from the solar panels if there is a thunderstorm coming as to not take the chance on frying my entire system. There are plenty of different types of systems out there from all-inclusive to piece together the way I built my system. I like my system because I can purchase the components a few at a time and I expand the system or I can expand the system as needed very easily. And so, you know, one of the things that he's saying there, like if you are one of those people that do not like to do DIY projects and you don't want, you want to take all the guesswork out, you could spend the extra money and buy like a goal zero, uh, you know, system, right? Where it comes with the, the batteries are there. It has the, you know, you can plug it up and, and uh, you can get the solar, uh, solar panels and, and work, you know, have this whole system. Now you're not going to be able to, the more portable systems are not going to be able to power a refrigerator like this guy did, but uh, it will give you the power that you need. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, if you, you know, you are a little bit more DIY and you can do projects like this and you can follow diagrams and which, again, not very difficult if you look at the at the pictures here and you can just follow, you know, some basic instructions, then, yeah, you can save a whole lot of money and you can build a bigger system. And like he was talking about here, build it in uh, components to where you can add to it or take away or whatever you need to do. And, you know, when you have a system like this that you have built yourself, then you understand it. So if there is issues, then you can it's easier for you to problem solve and troubleshoot the, the scenarios, right? The issues that you might be having because you, you did build it. All right. So continuing on talking about uh, plugging in your refrigerator, right? Because this is why this person, uh, you, you know, built this solar panel system, solar charge uh, system in the first place because to save their, you know, all the, the stuff that they had in the refrigerator, because, you know, when you lose the, the stuff that's in your refrigerator, I just talked to someone who, uh, you know, a coworker who went on a trip, a weekend trip, and they came back and their, uh, you know, their freezer in their garage went bad and they came back to a smelly house and they lost hundreds of dollars of, of, of food. Now, of course, they, they weren't there. They couldn't have plugged in a solar uh, charge, you know, system or whatever, uh, solar panel system. But, uh, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to mitigate that possibility of losing all those hundreds of dollars, especially if you keep your freezer and your refrigerator stocked. So let's uh, look at this section here. Once you've completed your system, watch your voltage either on your meter or on your charge controller. If you have a meter built into the controller, during the charging phase, you will see your voltage reach upwards of 14.5 volts. This is normal and the voltage will level out around 13.5 volts during the day. On your first attempt at this, you will be a bit nervous, so do it when your bank has a good charge coming in from the panels. I highly recommend doing this at least around noon or so after a few hours of sun. Turn your ice maker off, ice trays work just fine, and turn the settings of your refrigerator and freezer down. I turned mine to about 2 and it still works just fine. Once the sun goes down and you're totally running off the battery bank, limiting opening and closing the, the freezer or refrigerator. This is where common sense comes in. During the day, with continuous power coming in, you can use it normally. Before unplugging your refrigerator, wait for the current cycle of your fridge to complete itself so you're not interrupting the cycle. Next, unplug your fridge and using a low gauge extension cord, much thicker than your normal extension cords, 
plug your fridge into one end of the cord. I use a 25-foot cord that is professional grade. Common cheap thin extension cords are not good for this purpose as they do not transmit the power from your inverter as well. Spend the money on a good extension cord. Also, the closer your battery bank is to your fridge, the better. Turn your power inverter on and check the voltage. The display on my home inverter tells me the available voltage of the battery bank, but the inverter at my bug out location displays the voltage of the battery bank and the optimal voltage to run a device. Once your inverter is on and your voltage is up to speed, plug the extension cord into the inverter. This is where the magic happens. Even if your fridge is not currently running, you will see your voltage drop a bit. This is normal and if you have enough battery power, you'll see it level out. Mine levels out around 12.5 volts. This will last several minutes. When your fridge compressor comes on, you'll see the voltage come back up. Not sure why and perhaps someone out there can explain why, but I've only seen this huge draw that one time after plugging the fridge into the inverter. After that, the compressor coming on barely drops the voltage at all. After that initial draw, even overnight, I only see the voltage drop approximately 0.2 volts, means if the voltage level of the battery bank is 13.5 volts, it only drops to 13.3 or so. In the morning, my voltage usually reads around 12.6 volts, dropping only to 12.4 volts during operation. As long as your voltage doesn't drop below 11.9 volts, you're good to go. All right, so that's the end of that article. And again, like I said, there's a lot of things here that you can, or you know, the diagram is here in the pictures. Um, I think it's, it's very helpful to see the, the real pictures of how it all you know, looks when it's all connected to each other. Now, you know, one of the things about that, uh, the 6,000 watt peak uh, inverter. So you have that 3,000 watts that it's running. But when that compressor comes on, he talked about the voltage kind of, you know, jumping or whatever. But you you need to have that peak wattage so that uh, the, the compressor can start. Because there is that one initial surge to get it started. And then after that it's on and so it, it surges a little bit when it, the compressor kicks back on but not like it first starts uh, when it first starts up it needs a lot more juice to get started so that's why you need a bigger inverter when you're looking at something like a refrigerator although I, I believe that uh, I have run my refrigerator off of a 1500 watt uh, I believe that's what it was. I know that I've talked about it here recently. You know, during Harvey, I connected it to my truck, and I think it has a 3,000 watt peak, uh, you know, wattage. So it's able to start the compressor, and it, and it worked just fine. So, uh, you know, one of the things is when I think about something like this, I, this is very important, at least for me, because I'm going to want a little bit of power. Now, not to run a refrigerator. So I'm thinking more along the lines of a real serious scenario right where the grid is down and things are bad and uh, you're going to want you know there's some things that we have some conveniences in life that you're going to want to be able to have power for so um, very possibly to uh, charge up your power tools maybe you might need to make some repairs you might need to be doing some some work and so you want to be able to have your power tools available to you 
I still think you should have manual tools as well, but as long as you can charge your battery powered, I mean, they're just so convenient, right? And so you have that. The other thing is, is that if you have some elderly parents, you know, or elderly people living with you who can't get overheated, you might want to have a little fan. And so a 12 volt fan running off of a 12 volt system doesn't draw a lot of power, but it can provide that that breeze, it can provide that, you know, a fan, which would keep them, uh, you know, a little bit cooler. So, you know, they can stay healthy. You don't want them to get overheated. If you need something like a a small little cooler that can keep cold, uh, they have 12 volt coolers that you can do that. If you have someone who has medicine that needs to be refrigerated, like you have someone who has diabetes, you want to be able to keep their medicine cool. um, This is a reason why you would want something like this, right? So you have batteries and you have solar panels uh, that will last a lot longer than fuel because eventually the fuel will run out. Now, when you think about a system like this, you really have to change your thinking about electricity because you cannot live like you normally live. You will not be able to do that. You need to be able to have uh, the minimum stuff. So it could be you're charging batteries for your lights. It could be you, you might be charging your tablet because you have information on there, preparedness information that you want to get to. Um, you know, so it's very you want to make sure that you're using you're very strategic is what I'm trying to say when you're using something like this. If you're in a true grid grid down situation, you wouldn't be using this just for your refrigerator. Plus, you know, eventually, if you were using it for your refrigerator, you would eat all the contents that were in there. And then so you wouldn't need to be charging up or you wouldn't need to to turn your refrigerator on any longer. You would be able to use it for other things. And so, yeah, there is an initial, I mean, he talked about uh, $114 for eight panels. So, you know, you're at 800 there and then about uh, $200 for the five. I think it was about $200 for the uh, for the batteries, so uh, if he has five, you know you're looking over a thousand dollars there, and so you know, the battery cables are going to you know be expensive, and then the so I mean you could be somewhere around four thousand dollars for a system like this, but it's going to be a big system. Uh, I mean that is going to power a lot. Uh, I know that uh, the system that I created, the one that I have, is just two batteries, and uh, you know it didn't it's not as involved as this. Uh, by far. And I'm not using, I don't have my solar panels on it. I am just keeping it topped off with, uh, you know, just a a battery charger and and making sure that I have those available if I ever needed them. So, uh, you know, this is a great, like I said, a great starter article if you are interested in having some kind of solar generator system in your in your life, whether that is for your bug out location or whether that's for just home. Um, You know, there is that possibility where you have some deep cycle batteries, kind of like what I have in my garage, and I have a battery charger on it to keep them, you know, topped off, and it's got like a smart meter on there, so it only comes on when it needs to come on to keep those batteries topped off. And if I ever needed them for whatever reason, I have them. And so I have like 12 volt, um, I have 12 volt powered uh, lights that I can string across the, uh, you know, the house if I need to, so that we have light. Um, we have some fans that we can power with 12 volt batteries or 12 volt, you know, 12 volts and, and run it off of even USB type uh, connections and things like that. 
you can definitely charge up phones and and have all all of that available so it it would be worth it if you needed it you know and so you might want to look into it so again this is going to be over at mdcreekmore.com like always i'm going to link to it in the show notes or the article i'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can easily come on over here and check it out and like i said look at the diagrams look at the pictures i think it's very helpful Well, everyone, that is it for episode 420 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.